We're now going to hear two uh, readings from the Bible. The, uh, the Old Testament reading from the book of Micah. Bruce is going to read that. And it's a reading about um, a vision of, of a time when, uh, when we, we can look forward to peace. And then in a reading from Philippians, which Derek will read to us, more of about a personal peace. So today we're concentrating on peace and in particular praying for that peace. So thank you, Bruce. A reading from the book of Micah, chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. The mountain of the Lord. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between he will judge between many people and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for for war any more. Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. Amen. Uh, reading from Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Synthic to agree with each other in the Lord, Yes, and I ask you, loyal Yokefeller, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along which Clement and the rest of my, along with uh, Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, who's, who, uh, which transforms, 
sends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Thank you. Before I start on the sermon, I just must apologise for my voice. <coughs> You'll have to listen carefully. Could we have that first reading up, please, Colin? What I intend to do in the, uh, in the sermon is just go through the readings that we've just heard. The first reading from, uh, from the book of Micah starts with the phrase, in the last days. Now, you're ready for this. This is the eschatological hope. Have you got that? The eschatological hope. That just means you can Google it when you get home if you don't believe me. But that's about future times. And, uh, and Micah here is looking to the future, the eschatological hope. And it's culminated in the book of Revelation in the Bible, where we have the, uh, the hope there. But in other parts of the Bible, we have that things will be better. I don't know if uh, you uh, have heard uh, me tell the story of the... Uh, the parent of, um, of uh, one of the, the children who was attending a group here. And they saw the banner, which we've not got up today, which says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. And she was really upset by that banner. We couldn't understand why. It's biblical. Jesus Christ is the same throughout all generations and times. But she was saying that a life is difficult. And when she looks at that banner, she just reads, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. That nothing will ever change. That is without an eschatological hope. And how sad is that? But perhaps understandable. But Micah does have that hope. He says that in the last days, and then he goes on to describe what his prophecy is, is like, about how there will be peace, there won't be war, that all of God's people will gather on this mountain. 
Is it just a vain hope? Well, at least it's a real hope. And perhaps we should all have a hope for the future. It's not going to happen just by accident. And uh, in the, the bottom half of verse 1, you can, uh, you can see that. Where it says uh, right at the bottom line, people will stream to it. You don't stream to a mountain, do you? In another version, it's got flow to a mountain. You don't do that naturally. Gravity won't take you up there like that. And so it needs that spiritual impetus. It needs a work of God. And so we can pray as well as work for peace. Can you move on to verse 2, please, Colin? And so it talks about how the mountain of the Lord, and this is lots of symbolism, but it's about this place where people will gather. A spiritual reconciliation between people. And we, uh, we will end perhaps this sermon with, uh, not to warn Colin, but with the Lord's Prayer. Might that be possible? Um, where we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Surely that's a kingdom of peace and of love, the sort of kingdom that Mike is looking towards. And then out of that desire for thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, to make heaven on earth. And that will be a place of peace, a place without war, a place where there will be no more pictures of of uh, young men and women who uh, have lost their lives. And then in verse 3, the famous part, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train anymore. The hope that Micah has is that the economics will not be based on war, that our armaments will be transferred into items for peace, agriculture and uh, other things. And I just want to bring it up to date a little bit. There's been lots of talk about the, the, uh, the Eurozone and uh, disintegrating and what will happen with Greece or Italy or, or these other countries. And uh, although to some degree perhaps we feel a little distant from it and, uh, well, it serves their right for going into the euro or whatever, I don't know. But whatever we think about the EEC and then the EU and all these things about straight bananas and all of the, the silly things that come out of it, but I think it has been instrumental that there hasn't been the conflicts in Europe like we've experienced pre-World War II and including the Second World War, that those, it seems inconceivable now, doesn't it, that we'd be at war with France or Germany or one of these other countries. And so whatever we think about uh, the, the, uh, the EU, I think we just need to uh, remember and give thanks that there has largely been peace in Europe. And perhaps we need to pray 
more earnestly for that peace and pray for the politicians who are trying to discover what they can do with the economics. And that uh, in this economic statement that Micah had, he perhaps wasn't thinking about the EU, but perhaps we need to just see that and, uh, and pray for, for our, our world, to pray for Europe. And then the final verse 4. Everyone will sit under his own vine, under his own fig tree. The Lord Almighty has spoken. This is a, a word from God. And so although it may seem a distant hope, let's just hold on to that hope and pray into it so that there may indeed be peace. For, oh, how we need that peace. And I just want you to be aware of, of the counter-argument. The counter-argument as... Uh, shown by Richard Dawkins and, and others, who say that religion is the cause of the wars, is the cause of conflicts. And if we hadn't got religion, then there wouldn't be the conflicts. Now I accept that some conflicts have been caused by a false understanding of religion. But it's not true that all wars are, are caused by religion. There are many conflicts that are caused by secular politicians. Joseph Stalin was not a Christian and did terrible things. Pol Pot was not a Christian, not a religious man, and did terrible things and caused many wars. But there is this idea that if we, got away with re if we did away with religion, then there would be no wars. Do you know the song Imagine? Imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. That's a similar sort of idea. If we got away with religion, then everything would be okay. Now I admire the, uh, the, the idea that John Lennon was saying in that. Imagine what it would be like if there was at peace. He's following Micah in some sense. But he's not following Micah in that he's saying the way is without religion. Micah is saying the way with faith in God. That if we follow God, then there is a hope that there will be peace. And so I think we need to pray into this. Pray into the secularization. The BBC has announced that they will not use BC anymore which is odd when it's a BBC, that they won't use BC anymore, um, uh, that they will now say that before the common era rather than before Christ. That I heard, I, I don't know if it's true, at the dinner table yesterday, that uh, in America, I don't know where in America, they banned the use of the word Christmas tree. It's now a holiday tree. Now, it may be one of these urban myths, I don't know, you can check it out when you get home. But there is this idea that if we got rid of, uh, of religions, then there would be peace. It's not true. We need faith in God to actually bring people against a stream, against a nat natural inclination for, for war and hatred, up to the mountain where God can help us. It's not always easy, though. 
I came unstuck last week. I uh, was at a meeting in London and um, I was walking back from the meeting and was heading towards a tube. And uh, on the way, I saw this young man lying there on the ground, obviously been, been attacked. And then I saw this man walking towards him and he took one look at him and made a wide berth around him. Just left him there, injured. Of course, I immediately thought the Good Samaritan story. I will do what the Lord wants me to do. I will risk being, uh, being attacked perhaps as well because maybe there's some muggers about. So I, without a thought, went straight up to this young man, bent down, and then looked up. And there was a group of other young people there. Is he okay? I said. And then to my horror, I saw the video camera. <laughs> cut! They said, cut! And it was just a, a play that they were doing. <laughs> it's not always easy trying to do the right thing. I thought I'd bring about peace and reconciliation and hope. In the end, I just came away with a red face and I ruined their filming. But we must work towards that peace. And there'll be mistakes on the way, there'll be difficulties on the way, but we must pray and work for that peace. Let's move on to the second reading, shall we? The reading from Philippians, which brings it more to home, perhaps with more personal peace, moving from the grand sweep of the world to uh, individuals. Now before I continue with this, I, I must say it's all talking about worry and a lack of worry and peace. I've not got it all sorted and those of you who know me well will know that I do worry. Sometimes I don't have peace. So I share this as a fellow traveller along the road. But maybe if we're honest, a number of us struggle with, with worry and peace. So in verse 1, it says that this is how you should stand firm. So this is what Paul says, this is how you should do it. And then in verse 2, there is um, uh, obviously a dispute between these two ladies who obviously hadn't been on the, the chill time on, on um, Saturday, the, the spa day where they could just chill and relax. But we don't know what, they'd, uh, what they were arguing about and it doesn't matter. And perhaps it's better that we don't because it broadens it. And any sort of dispute or any worry that we may have, let's hear what Paul has to say. Where is the peace in our everyday world? We've been looking at whole life discipleship. I'm sure it, if we were to share in this room, there's so many worries and, uh, and things to worry about that people have got. Well, let's see what Paul says about that. Verse 4, this is what he says, have we got verse 4? A strange way to start, if you've got worries, lack of peace, rejoice! How can you possibly rejoice when there's this happening or that happening? 
But if we think about it, it's rejoice in the Lord. It's not rejoice in the circumstances. Oh, I'm so glad I'm ill, or I'm so glad I'm bereaved, or I'm so glad I'm unemployed. It's not saying that. It's rejoice in the Lord. It's putting God first. So there may be bereavement, illness, redundancy, but rejoice in the Lord. See things from uh, his perspective. The Lord's Prayer I've already mentioned, that it begins not with requests, not with thy kingdom come, but our Father art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It puts God first and his perspective. Rejoice in our position before God that we can bring our cares, our worries before him. Rejoice that he cares for us. Rejoice that he loves us. Rejoice that he may be able to do something about it. Rejoice that if we've messed up, he can forgive our sins. Rejoice in our, in our ability to bring to God the things that are on our minds. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then verse 5, the second principle. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Sometimes sounds a little weedy, doesn't it? Gentle. You know, get trampled on and um, one of the fruit of the Spirit. But if you think about conflict and you have two gentle people, they're going to struggle to fight, aren't they? Gentleness is a great gift, a great fruit of the Spirit and perhaps we need to raise up that idea of gentleness. But I think to some degree, it's an aside for Paul. Let's move on to verse 6. Another difficult statement. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, it's all right for you, Paul. You're an apostle. What about me? What about what uh, I've got in my life? But just remember who's saying this. Paul had been beaten up on many occasions. He'd been thrown into prison because of his faith. He was struggling for an income. He sometimes struggled to speak, perhaps. He, um, he, he just earned a little bit of money from his tent making. He hadn't got a pension scheme. He, uh, was, he struggled in many ways. He lost all of his friends when he came to faith because he, he was once anti-Christian, then he came to faith and lost all of his family and friends, I'm sure. He knew what trouble was. This isn't just somebody in some ivory tower. And so he said, do not be anxious about anything. Why could he say that? But by prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. I don't know if you've heard the phrase, worries like a rocking chair. It's something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. And that's perhaps true. But I think to say that's a bit too glib. Because there are things to worry about, aren't they? And, um, and I think we need to take these situations seriously. There's probably people in this room who have come here today with worries on their minds. Worry... Its root is in the word strangle. And worry can really strangle, can't it? Really take hold of us and, uh, and make uh, life difficult. This lack of peace. 
I'd like to just to split worry into two things. One, worry about things that we can't control, like going up in an aeroplane. Some of us are, are worried about that. But we have no control over that. Once we're on the seat, then that's it, isn't it? But there are other things that we worry about that we have got control about. Let's say we made redundant and we worry about employment. But that's something we can do something about. What jobs to apply for? How do I do my CV? What all sorts of decisions. So I think there's a difference there. But both of them, I think we can bring before God in prayer. And I think he answers, but maybe in different ways. But I think if we bring them to God in prayer, then verse 7, we've got verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So you know, it's understandable to be worried about perhaps going up an aeroplane. We don't know how it works. We don't know if it will crash. It is understandable to be worried about employment. Just two examples. But this is the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It's a spiritual peace. Linking with the Micah one, that it's only through that prayer, that spiritual activity, that we can really know that peace which transcends all understanding. So to take the aeroplane example, we sit down on the, in the seat, we pray, Lord, help me. We then do what Paul says. What did he do, say to do for a start? Rejoice in the Lord always. You sit there and you think, Lord, I rejoice that I'm a Christian. If this plane crashes, I'm going to be in heaven with our Lord. And it's true. We can rejoice in our place before God. But we also rejoice that, uh, although perhaps amongst strangers, that it's like the Lord is sitting with us. Thank you for our place with us. I can just share my fear with you. Even though people might laugh at me for being afraid on an aeroplane, I can give that to you. And then you pray, please help me and help that pilot to be good. (laughs) And then you let go. Because there's nothing that can be gained by worrying. You just let go and let whatever happen will happen. You can't knock on the pilot's door and say, come on, do it better this time. You just have to let go and let God's will happen. That's worry when we have no control. And that can be used in other circumstances. But then there's the other one. We're unemployed. Worry about that. I think it's slightly different. It's not just, oh, I, uh, um, uh, I pray to God and I just hand it over to God and then I'll sit back and relax. It's different, isn't it? I think it's a cyclical thing. We pray, Lord, I'm unemployed. I rejoice that I can bring this to before you. I rejoice that my, uh, my employment doesn't characterize me. My character is determined by you that I'm a child of yours. And there may be other things like I'm a father or I'm a mother or whatever. But I'm not solely dependent on my job. But I am concerned about that. And so you pray, Lord, what should I do? Which job should I apply for? Just help me to find that job. And then you act. And you apply. And you work at it. And you try. So you don't just let go and let God You ask God to inspire you. But also, you try, and let me tell you this, that I'm a learner as well as you, 
just to after you've prayed and he's directed you into action just to do that action and hand that over to God but then perhaps you have to reassess well did I get it right do I need to do something different and so you pray again and then you act again and then you reassess and then you pray again and so it's more of a cyclical but rather than a downward spiral into worry it's an upward spiral into the presence of God and just bringing your concerns to him is that okay and then finally verse 8 it talks about thinking about positive things and it's not just a blind or positive thinking but it is easy to dwell on the negative isn't it just like today it's been right that we uh, dwell on those who were injured and uh, and died in the wars but remember that there's so many places in the world and situations where there is peace and just rejoice in that and it's easy when the worries take over to be strangled by that and there's lots of positive things that we can reflect upon not to be strangled by our worries and so what Paul says is is good and helpful and then finally verse 9 whatever you have learned or received or heard from me put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you and how good it is when our life isn't consumed by worry but we know that peace of God that peace that passes all understanding no longer strangled but released and released into perhaps um, uh, thinking of others doing for others and and making real contributions that peace is such a valuable thing and so as I end I just encourage us to bring before God to rejoice in what um, our, our situation is before God but then bring before God the things that are worrying us and then allow his peace to come upon us Amen I'd like us to say the Lord's Prayer together I don't know if we've got it on the screen and then I'll lead us in prayer and then hand over to our music group who will lead us in, in some rejoicing, in some praise and worship to put God first and then lead us into uh, some, use these songs to, to just continue to bring before God the things that are on our minds. Let's pray. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, Lord God, we thank you for the message from your word today, from the book of Micah about the peace for the world, that eschatological hope, that future hope, but we do pray into that and we pray, we pray for the peace of the world. 
when we see things on the news, we pray for those countries and situations. Just help us to have that attitude. And from Philippians, we, uh, we pray that we might be able to rejoice in our situation before you. Not in the bad things that are happening, but that we can turn to you, Lord, and see your perspective. And as we offer to you the things in prayer, may we know your peace, which passes all understanding. We thank you, Lord, for meeting with us today. Just continue to meet with us as we end by singing these songs. <laughs>